It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, James Erpine. It is great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic coming up in 60 seconds on Twitter. At James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and every single podcast posted at LockedOnBengals.com. If you're new to the show... Well, I'm James Rapine. I cover the Bengals for ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW in Cincinnati. And we do this every single day. We get you your daily Bengals fix right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. And there's a lot to get into with Joe, with Joe Goodberry. Excuse me. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. He covers the Bengals for The Athletic. And Joe, I saw you tweeted out earlier today a clip that I saw from Jeff Hobson's article at Bengals.com. John Ross topping out at over 23 miles per hour yesterday during practice, running routes on the football field. He's not on a track. He's on a field. I'll say this, Joe, I think he's finally healthy. Yes, I would say that, that that's <laughs> part of uh, being healthy. I think the fastest last year was 22 for um, for Leonard Fournette. Now, obviously, in a game that's different than practice where they're not even fully padded, I believe, and uh, you know, running with the ball will slow you down also. So if Ross is running a post route when he ran this 23 miles an hour, that's fast, but it is a different than game speed, obviously, still. But it is it should make us hopeful that it does sound like he's getting the most practice he's gotten in over a year, um, maybe a year and a half. Uh, so, yeah, so far, so good. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. A lot to get into with you, Joe. I want to get into the defense. I want to discuss the defensive line. But since we started with Ross, let's look at the offense. And uh, yesterday on the podcast, I played Peter Schrager of NFL Network. He said that people are sleeping on Andy Dalton this year based on Bill Lazor, based on what's around Andy Dalton. I kind of bought it, and I know you wrote about run pass options for the athletic and and Bill Lazor's offense and the potential it may have. Do you agree with that, that people might be sleeping on Andy Dalton based on what's around him and the offensive scheme that the Bengals could have in 2018? It's it's hard to, to make that prediction right now, to be honest with you, because, uh, and we've talked about this numerous times, There, this is a highly volatile offense in a good way and bad way, because if everything clicks, I mean, if John Ross is healthy, if Joel Mixon is who we think he is with good blocking, if Tyler Eifert's healthy, um, let's say Tyler Boyd in year three becomes a, a good slot guy, which he could be. Um, let's say they figure out that they can actually use Giovanni Bernard more than they have in past years. A.J. Green has a career year. Yes, yes, yes. Andy Dalton could have a fantastic year. Um, if Bill Lazor and the Bengals ran RPOs the third most in the league last year already, if they ex- expand on that even more, do more Chip Kelly, do more Eagle stuff, um, yes, it'll help Andy Dalton even more. So, it's hard to say right now. There's a lot of things that could go right for this offense. I mean, if Cordy Glenn is healthy all 16 games, it's a clear upgrade at left tackle. If Billy Price is healthy and then ready to go and has a solid rookie year at center, it, they're good. The offensive line is much better than it was. Now, all of those things, all those players I mentioned, could be what they were last year or could be injured. Um, and then 
yeah, then we're not sleeping on Andy Dalton, and we know it all falls on his shoulders again. And when it does, that's not the best version of Andy Dalton. And the best version of Andy Dalton is when he's the point guard, not when he's got to be your small forward shooting 30 times a game. We don't want that. We, you know, we want him dishing it out to let his playmakers make plays. And uh, if everything falls right, yeah, Dalton could have a 2015-type year. That's not crazy. That year they had – talent around him. The offensive scheme was built for him. And, and even that year, right tackle and center was an issue. So there was two issues on the offensive line. If everything goes right this year and there's still issues at like, like right guard and right tackle, that's the same similar situation he was in in 2015. You can still be super productive with it. So, yes, I understand what Peter Schrager is saying. I just think it's too early for me to say that because all we're hearing right now is OTA stuff, and it all sounds excellent in OTAs. Joe, as yeah, you're right. Everything does sound excellent in OTAs, and that's why it's tough to buy in, not buy in. Let's talk about a guy who's not there at OTAs, Carlos Dunlap, going into the last year of his contract. Obviously, that's probably why he's not there. I get it. I understand that aspect. First, let's talk about what he brings to the defense. When you pop on the film, pop on the tape, you watch Carlos Dunlap, what does he bring? How valuable is he? And uh, how big of a difference is it when he's on the field versus off the field for the Bengals? Well, he's almost never off the field anyway. So he plays about 75 to 80% of the snaps over the last three, four years. Um, he's second most snaps on defense, only behind George Iloka, which I was surprised Iloka played that much. Uh, Dunlap is one of the cornerstones of this defense and of this team. Uh, when I went back and I watched a lot of them because I wanted to write about it right after, right after he didn't show up for OTAs, um, I already knew his contract was very favorable, about seven to seven and a half million cap hit a year for an edge rusher that I think is a top ten guy. Um, he's that's a steal of a money. He could in an open market he'd probably get fourteen, fifteen million dollars a year. So the Bengals are paying him about half of what he probably could get out there. If he wants a deal done now and he wants to hold out or or at least for now for OTAs give up that three hundred thousand dollar workout bonus, I think he's got good standing to say, Listen, I'm one of the better players on your team. I've been consistent. I've been healthy. Um, I've been an impact player versus the run. As a pass rusher, knocking down passes, um, versatility-wise, I think, yeah, you you extend him. And I think the, the Bengals would be smart to extend him. You could still get another three or four years out of him of good, solid play, good play. And from there, um, if you even have to increase it to $10, $11, 12000000 million a year, I think, I think you're in a good situation for the Bengals and for Carlos Dunlap. So when I watched it, I thought he is – are a little bit underrated by most fans because he plays so much, there's a lot of disappearing in games. And I'm not trying to defend that because guys do disappear. And I think that happens a lot, and especially on the defensive line. When you're playing more than anybody else on the defensive line, there's some plays where you just, you're tired. But if you don't have a quality backup behind them or, or a bunch of rookies, um, you're, gonna, you're still the best guy on the field, even if you're running at 80%, 60%, 70%, and just taking a play easy a few times, and then on third down, you're, you're rushing the passer and doing the best you can on that play. You know, I'm, I don't want to defend not going 100% all the time. My point is, even him taking it easy out there on a few plays or for a stretch of, of games or a stretch of, in, in one game is still better than what they had with a, with a Chris Smith or a Wallace Gilberry or even a Jordan Willis early, in, uh, early last year. So uh, I do think he is an important player that maybe they've drafted well enough at the defensive end spot to let him walk, um, but I think there's still some unknowns there, and at this point I would try to extend him. 
Yeah, and, and I, I get that aspect. And Joe Goodberry of The Athletic joining us here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Um, I get it. I also look at it, and I do think at times he is inconsistent. Uh, would it would it just help them if he didn't play as much? If he played sixty five percent, so why would they why would they not dial it back a little bit with him? Especially now that you have some of these younger guys that you've drafted over the past couple of years, whether it's a Jordan Willis, obviously a, a Sam Hubbard, et cetera. I mean, there's there's young bodies that can fill that role. Some why not dial it back a little bit in a contract year? See if Carlos Dunlap may have more of an impact with less snaps, but he might be. Uh, at least uh, a little bit more rested, be able to have more quanti- quality snaps, excuse me. Why not try that in this contract year and then, worst case, franchise him after the season? Yeah, and I think you could do that. And I think less snaps would help him, uh, especially with the with the talent. They drafted defensive ends. Now, I, I, Willis, we can talk about him in a minute, but you know, I think he's solid and he's going to play and he's going to play more this year. We know what Carl Lawson is, I think, as an edge rusher. Um, Sam Hubbard? He seems like a, a guy that can step in pretty early. Even if he's not taking a lot of snaps, he can give Dunlap uh, some breather plays uh, here and there. So they've planned for that, and they, they can afford now to let Dunlap rest a little bit. I think it's, the risk is, and we've seen this with the Bengals, when they don't extend early um, and they get into an open market or a bidding situation or a decision where they have to tag somebody, they could have tagged Andrew Whitworth for one year. They don't like to use it. They don't like to use that tag if they have if, if they don't have to. They don't. And when they get into a bidding war with a high price valuable free agent, chances are they're not going to win that unless they, you know, are correct in their value. And I don't think in this case it, that would be the case with with a with a, uh, a Carlos Dunlap. I, you know, I think if he got an open market, we're talking fifteen million a year. I think the franchise tag for an edge rusher is is, is around that too. So you're you're talking a lot of money if you get into that situation rather than extending him early with three years left to go and saving on the cap hits for, for the remainder uh, of that contract. I, I think if you believe he's a good player and you want to keep him around, because, listen, you need three defensive ends that you consider starters. They have three guys usually that take about 55% of the snaps at defensive end. Um, so you need three guys. Right now it's Carlos Dunlap. I would argue Carl Lawson is the other one. You still wonder who that other guy is. Even if you have drafted and Jordan Willis pans out and Sam Hubbard pans out, I think you know that would be a string of very good drafting and good luck to have all three of those guys pan out. I would say hopefully two of those other guys are just okay. And at that point, I would wish I had Carlos Dunlap, and I wish I had a guy uh, that was still good. This is a situation, now he's a couple years younger, but this is Whitworth, and you've drafted two young tackles, and you think, yeah, we haven't seen them, but we've seen flashes, and we think they can do it. Uh, they, you know, they don't always pan out that way, obviously. Yeah, no, there's no denying that, and I totally get it. I also look at it, and I see a guy like Geno Atkins. Obviously, he's up uh, after this year as well. His contract is up. Out of the two, based on their impact, obviously Geno's a, a, an elite player in this league. Carlos Dunlap is really good. They have to get something done with Geno Atkins, right? James, can I stop you for a second? Just because I'm sitting here in my office, and this lady is driven by twice now, taking pictures from the from the road, taking pictures of the front of my house. Is that weird? Should I be alarmed by that? That is really weird. What? You're not. She's got her camera phone out, and she's just taking pictures. I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, go out and see if you want. That's weird. (laughs) No, but to answer your question, what the hell? Atkins is the. They're like that celebrity writer, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Yes. That's a Bengals fan. 
Look at you. You and have an older lady. You have yeah, groupies. Oh my god. You know, it's funny though. I went and got my hair cut the other day, and uh, I don't know if I ever told this story on here, but um, he's a Bengals fan, and I know I met him on Twitter because he followed me on Twitter, obviously for Bengals stuff. And I didn't know he lived in the area because obviously I don't live in in Cincinnati. I live in outside of Buffalo, Niagara Falls, New York, and um, I didn't know you know him personally. And I go to a barber shop. This is a few months ago when I first moved in this new house, and I sit down. And I'm looking around. And he's got all this Bengals stuff. I'm like, man, and I hear him talking, and he, he, the things he's talking about, I'm like, this, this guy, you know, I'm just getting the vibes that I know this guy. And when I stood up, he goes, who's next? And he, he's like, Joe Goodberry, man, this is amazing. And, he's, you know, he's all excited. But now I go there all the time, and we talk Bengals. But I go this last time, I went the other day, and he's got the other Bengals fan. He's like, this is the other Bengals fan that lives in the area, because there's not many of us. And this guy, when he's done, he stands up. He's wearing a Cincinnati Reds jersey, and, and he's all talking about the Bengals. We sit there, and we probably talk for about 20 minutes just Bengals stuff, which to me is cool because I don't get that, you know, not living in Cincinnati. See? I told you. Like, that's what that was. That was a groupie who drove by your house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, what else would it be? Why else would they want a picture of your house? You, the house is sold. You own it now. It's not like it's but going up on the market. Some gardening out there, James. Maybe it's for expert gardening. I do. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's someone from the county. You know how they put up the the pictures of your house mm. at the county website. Maybe it was something as simple as that that we're. Maybe it's code talking. enforcement, and I don't have my address properly labeled. Uh oh, look, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. That stuff happens. Before you get in trouble, though, let, let's talk about Geno Atkins and okay. his. You're like, no, I don't want to do that. But his, his value <laughs> versus Carlos Dunlap. Dunlap's a little younger. Obviously, Juno's a, a more talented player. If you could extend one before the season started, who would it be? It would be Atkins. And it's because uh, you really don't have anything else. I do think Atkins is the more impact player. I think Dusik, he is the better player of the two. But at defensive tackle, and especially at three tech, they don't have anybody else. They just drafted Andrew Brown this year. Um, I'm not sure he's you know even ready to play significant steps this year or even lead into a starter role down the line. Um, Atkins is, is your guy. He still makes the defense tick in a lot of ways. That interior pressure uh, is the biggest wedge in an offense, I think, in the league today. So for me, it would be, it would be Geno Atkins. But they have enough cap room and enough money, and what they're already paying Atkins, um, the, the amount per year, and if you extend them early, shouldn't go up that much. It wouldn't take much more cap room unless you wanted to front load it this year or next year. Um, so that extension should happen, and, and I don't think that'll be hard at all. I think the Dunlap part is going to be the harder part because they are already paying him on a very cheap deal relatively to, to, his, uh, to his worth and talent. So that gap is going to be much larger, and they're going to have to come to terms, both of them probably, uh, moving from where they want to be. Yeah, it's it'll be really interesting to see what they do uh, but with those two. I, I would love for them to keep both, and obviously, and, and I want to dive into, Joe, the, the young guys, if Hubbard and all those other guys pan out, it's not like you can have enough pass rushers, right? So to me, the cap space is there if you can get it done with both. But I know you noted this. Carlos Dunlap, he was the beneficiary of Michael Johnson saying no to a contract. So they extend Carlos Dunlap back in the day. I think it was yep. 2013, 2000, I think it was 13. And Dunlap, excuse me, Dunlap signs. And now he's underpaid. So I wonder if he's going to want to make a ton of money because if that's the case, I don't think the the Bengals aren't going to overpay to keep Carlos Dunlap. It's just not going to happen. Oh, I don't think they will either. And you're right about that time where they basically offered the money to uh, 
to Michael Johnson. Johnson knew he'd probably make more in the open market, and they said, okay, this is the money we're spending on defensive end. We're not paying both of you. Dunlap, you want it? And he said, yep, because why wouldn't he? I mean, being a second-round pick on his rookie deal, that was a huge increase for him. Uh, and that's the benefit of signing guys early. Is it, it, It's going to be a big bump for those young guys, but yet at the same time for the team, they're going to get a really good deal in the future. And now you're, you, and this is also the other half of it. When you get down to that last year, um, it usually looks like a one-sided contract. And that's how it is. You gave him a raise early, and in return, you got a couple of cheap years out of him. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic joining us. Joe, let's dive into some of the other guys and some of the young players. Let's start with last year. Obviously, Carl Lawson exceeded expectations, was the Bengals' best rookie a season ago. What do you expect from him, and what do you expect from fellow defensive lineman Jordan Willis as they enter year two? Yeah, and I'm writing about Willis right now. I'm actually writing about the entire defensive line, and especially the what they call the NASCAR package, which is their nickel and in nickel when they go to their pass rushers. And I, I mentioned this before, three defensive ends, one defensive tackle. So that's Atkins in, inside at three tech. And we know Carlos Dunlap is usually the left end in, in, in all of their defense, nickel and base. Um, the other two spots are what's up for grabs, in my opinion. And I think Lawson really has solidified himself as that right end uh, in the nickel packages. It, I'm not sure he's going to be the base uh, for three right end, they haven't shown him to, you know, to really trust him to be in that role. Last year, I think he only played 72 defensive snaps versus the run. Uh, he really, they, they tried to keep him out of run situations as much as possible. Uh, it really was a lopsided run-to-pass ratio for Carl Lawson snaps. But on the other hand, Jordan Willis was out versus the run more than he was versus the pass. And he was the only defensive end on the roster that faced the run more than the pass. So they really tried to play both those guys to their strengths. I could see a situation where Willis is the starting right defensive end. And I say starting with quotes because I'm talking base right defensive end. And then in nickel, um, Carl Lawson replaces him. So Willis is going to see more 50-50 in terms of run and pass. And that'll be about 500 snaps if he's your base right end. And then Lawson will get about the other 500 snaps playing just your nickel right end rusher. Um, now, I think Willis could be more than that, though. He tested it like a guy who's going to be an extremely uh, productive rusher. He's in that elite category when he's coming out of the draft of a guy who could end up being a high-end producer in the NFL. Uh, I'm interested if they are wanting to kick him inside at all a nickel, and I think that's the open spot really when it comes down to it. Chris Smith played it a lot last year. Michael Johnson spent a lot of his time there last year, and I thought Johnson really rejuvenated his career inside a nickel. Um, and I posted some plays last night about, uh, of his that uh, he made a lot of plays inside, and he defended the run. And that's, that's one of the big things of going, kicking inside as a D-end. You're undersized. So now you need to try and you need to be even better against the run. Um, and Michael Johnson is. And, and he's a smart guy, and he can handle it. And they can do a lot of different things with him. And I think he probably still retains that role 
but they're want to, going to want to reduce his snaps. They're not going to give him 650 snaps again. I think they're going to start to bring him down to maybe 400 or so. So maybe Jordan Willis gets a few of those snaps inside at defensive tackle uh, in nickel. And then you got Sam Hubbard, who probably fills in where Jordan Willis played last year, which is about 300 snaps or so, and backs up uh, Dunlap at left end. Maybe he gets to kick inside a little bit. Maybe he plays a little right end. But I, I think, you know, for now, the interesting part is the split at right end between Lawson and Willis, which I think it's run downs, base downs will be Willis, pass downs will be Lawson, and then the interior defensive tackle spot. Well, I think Michael Johnson probably has his eye on that role and he may be the guy. I am interested in see to see if Willis can provide a spark or be better than him. And I'm also interested if Carl, uh, Carlos Dunlap can kick inside because he did at times. He's, he's really good on stunts and twists. I think if you had him and, and, and Willis at left end and, and defensive tackle, you could do a lot of fun things with them. Uh, Carlos Dunlap did it in college, too. I remember he did it a lot, and I, I was surprised the Bengals haven't really done it more with him. Um, but he's still such a good edge rusher that you probably keep him at that spot for now. So it'll be interesting to see how they mix that in. I think they can do it a lot. The other thing is Terrell Austin didn't do it as much as Paul Gunther and Mike Zimmer did. Those guys were, you know, we know they, they love to play with three defensive ends. Um, the Lions didn't do it as much, but I don't think the Lions had that third guy that they could really trust to go in. So I, I look at that kind of, um, is Marvin Lewis going to say, hey, we've got three good defensive ends, we've done this, let's keep doing it, or is Austin going to lean on what he did uh, in Detroit? So, again, more unknowns because we're in OTA points, but for me, this is how I feel a little bit. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, when people go to The Athletic right now, what do you got for them? Last thing was published earlier this week, I want to say Monday, was the John Ross article on how the Bengals need him. You know, they just don't need him to produce this year. They need him. He's he's vital to their offense. And we've talked about Ross a lot, and I I wonder if people get tired of it because sometimes you get negative comments from from fans, and I I bet you do, James, where people are like, well, how how quickly is he going to be injured? Or is he going to be injured by week two? And I'm like, why do we talk about him like this? Who here wants him to be injured? If he's injured, this offense is going to suffer. And we talk about Ross so much, I think, because we saw what, like, you know, I would talk about Joe Mixon if he missed the entire year last year. I would say Mixon will have the biggest impact on this on this roster this year. And it's because we saw him a little bit. We saw him be on a bad offensive line. We saw him, you know, a bad running team last year, Joe Mixon, um, that we did see his flashes. And I think everyone's on board with saying, yeah, Mixon could be a special talent. And it's because we didn't see Ross that I'm sitting here saying Ross could change this offense. The impact he can make on this offense is bigger than any other addition this year. That includes Cordy Glenn and Billy Price um, because of what he can do to change it for A.J. Green, to change it for Andy Dalton, to change it for the run game because that, that, that safety is going to have to back up now. That both safeties I'm talking, one for Green, one for Ross, and it's going to open up the run game even more. So I think the impact Ross can have and should have, and I'm hoping he will have, um, could really change this offense for the better. They need him to produce. And I certainly hope he does. By the way, I told him about our five-touchdown bet. I think he thought, I was like, yeah, man, I'm CEO of the John Ross Fan Club. Uh, If you score five touchdowns, I have to buy your jersey. And I didn't fully explain it. I should have. The fact that I was going to buy it anyway, and you were like, no, make him earn it a little bit. So at some point I'm going to have to do that. But, yeah, the the five-touchdown thing, I will honor that if that happens. And he sounded pretty confident that it was going to. Oh, really? 
Yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah, man, yeah, I, I plan on it being better than that. I plan on scoring more than that. So we'll see. He had his fair share of touchdowns when he was healthy at Washington. He had 17 his last year. So 17. Yeah. He had 18, I think, or 19 that year. One kick return and one rushing also. Um, and might, it might have been 18. 16 receiving, one rushing, one kick return, if I remember correctly. Uh, but, yeah, 17 on offense. And he led the league and led college football in 40-yard-plus touchdowns and red zone touchdowns. Yeah, so I, I, I hope it happens because, look, I won a jersey anyway. If it was up to me, I'd have the first jersey of the Andy Dalton era already. But I'm glad you, you're making him earn my fandom a little bit because I think a lot of listeners especially are like, man, you fell in love with Ross the day he was drafted, before he was drafted, and he hasn't proven anything yet. So this way he proves it before I do it. Well, I think fans feel the same way. I think what you're doing is metaphorical for the way fans feel, that I'm willing to jump in and, and, and love John Ross if he produces. I think they're there. I think they're, you know, anytime a player misses a year, and rightfully so, you should probably not count on them being a big part of the team the following year because things change. You know, an ACL injury can, can ruin a guy. Um, that wasn't the case for Ross. It was a shoulder thing and a lot of other little things going on. But, you know, I think fans are looking at it like, man, if he scores, if he breaks one off, if he can have an impact, we're all in. But until then, you know, he's got to prove it. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, as always, man, I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk soon. I might even bother you next week. Who knows? Thanks, Joe. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, James. That's Joe Goodberry. Great stuff from Joe, as always. That, uh, it's fun. It's always fun talking with Joe. Make sure, again, you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Follow me on Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. Check out LockedOnBengals.com. You can subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe, excuse me, iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I know Russ Helpman doing an article today for LockedOnBengals.com. There's that there. There's plenty of other articles there as well at LockedOnBengals.com. Until next time, until tomorrow, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.